Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. So a lot of times people are like, oh, here's my business. They hand it over to a marketing company, but they're not confident enough in their own brand to let them know and really work with as opposed to allowing the marketing company to um, take over. And then they find that they've spent a lot of money and they're like, well, I don't I don't know what I spent it on. And it's because they haven't cleared from the mindset, especially when it comes to social of, well, I don't know how to do this, so I'm just going to hand this over. And there's no ownership to it, right? Because at the end of the day, this is your brand. This is who you are out in the public eye. And you need to have some say in that so that your company is always represented the way that you want it to be represented out there. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't listened yet to my recent conversations with the Director of Invested Talent, Ruben Kanya, and with Richard Medcalf of X Quadrant, then do check them out. But only after you've listened to today's conversation, of course. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Wendy Manganaro. She's the founder and owner of Wendy Manganaro Consulting and works with frustrated small business owners to attract, resonate and engage their target market so that they can increase their bottom line through building relationships on and offline. She believes that all businesses can increase their digital success with the market mindset and strategic plan. In our conversation today, Wendy talked to me about staying involved in your own marketing, the human connection part. We talked about building relationships through social media. And we talked about the smart ways to use Google reviews in your marketing. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Wendy Manganaro. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today from Ocean City in New Jersey, the USA. Wendy Manganaro, who's a social media consultant. Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Wendy. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you. Glad to be here. Kat Stanchik, who was our guest on episode 451 of the Innova Buzz podcast, suggested that we have a conversation with you, Wendy. So big hello to Kat. Yes. Love my cat. <laughs> She's great. Now, your focus is primarily on three areas. It's it's um, marketing strategies and processes, but also marketing mindset, which I think often people that work in marketing forget about the marketing mindset part. So I'm really intrigued and interested to learn more about all those areas and how you bring it all together. Before we start talking about all things marketing, though, what's the impact you're having in the world today? So I think the impact that I have in the world today is, is that I have this ability to see where people want to be, um, whether it's personal friends or in work, and I'm able to help them hone that and see that it's possible. Um, I know a lot of people who who listen to others and they get this negativity idea and they're like, I can never do this. I'm never going to do that. And it seems impossible. And I try to break them through that because I'm, I'm very spiritual. And part of that is, is like seeing the spirit within and that people, um, if they follow that, that spirit within, 
they can be successful and whether it's worth work stuff work stuff or not hmm. so helping them be a lot more self-aware about what what strengths they have inside themselves and and yeah so um tell us a little bit about your background because i think you know there's a fascinating story there that um probably explains some of your beliefs and values yeah so my background i'm going to start really back for one second and then i'll forward it is as i actually was born with acute lymphoblastic leukemia and given six months to live at six weeks old hmm. so as a result of that i um I've always had this thing inside where, because most people from the outside were, were told me my, all my life, don't do too much. You'll get sick again. Don't try. They wanted to, me to succeed, but there was always a level of fear around that. Um, and as I got older um, and realized that um, I may be here a while, um, it really has helped me understand that with the other people right because a lot of people have well-intentioned people around them um, whether it's with marketing or in their personal life and um and i really think that it's really important to kind of go away from, from all the people who think they should think they know what you should be doing and come back to within, but it was through my own process of doing that that I got to where I am today. Um, I had a lot of well-intentioned parents to friends to, um, you know, don't work too hard or you're, you know, whatever. That's that goal is a little too much. Like, what if you get sick? What if you get ill? What if you get? Hmm. And I'm more of like, well, what if I could do it? Like. What, what am I doing here? And, and I really believe that whether you have a, a background like my mind or not, it's like, what are we doing here if we can't go for it all? So that's really where my background come from that. And then add in that I'm really curious and I'm actually have a degree in criminal justice. Um, so it's like this being able to break things down and figure out the mystery of it to get to the next step of where you want to go. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. I, um, often we um, can take learnings or uh, qualifications or uh, expertise that we've built up and learnt and apply them to other areas, isn't it? So that's, that's mm -hmm. great. Um, so just to um, tie up the loose end there, so the acute lymphoblastic leukemia, you've been in remission since early childhood right so yes you went through lots of treatment mm -hmm. since you were three years old so. Yep. so as of now you've beaten it right and yeah. this protective bubble that other people put you in when did you kind of decide that was a bit restrictive i think i've always kind of fought against that um to the point of my detriment too right like because in my mm. uh 20s I was like no you're not going to tell me what I can do and I worked full-time and went to school full-time and and did all the things you know extracurricular sophomore of the year that kind of thing to the point where I would get myself sick right so it was loud learning somewhere because when you have this like um feeling of as as a child that you're always gonna not make it you you tend to overdo it to the stress of your body and your mind and i think as i've gotten older and i've had my own children and that responsibility of like making sure that i'm here for them and then also on the other side of that is making sure that like learning to listen to myself mm. where i'm doing the career that i want to do and i'm working with the people that i want to work with um, and whether that's in personal or in my professional life, I've really clear out a lot of that negativity. And like, I'm like, oh, this is really important. Like, I want to be around people that feel good, around um, businesses that are really excited about what they do and, and just need to help learning how to do it to the next level. 
but I think that's that it's it's been this ongoing process to get there, if that's mm. the best way. But it, I think a lot of it was I got sick in my 20s again because I was fighting that so much. Like, no, you don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do it all. And learning how to like, well, that's not living either. There's got to be something in, in between. Mm. So your self-awareness is probably really heightened through those experiences. Yeah. Hmm. How do you how do you bring in that self-awareness piece and the mindset piece into the marketing work you do with clients? So a lot of that is listening. Um, I don't think people realize what they say when they're saying it. And what I mean by that is like, so I'll be working with a client and they'll say, this is great. I'm going to have this, you know, this, this person called and we're going to have this collaboration and, and all of that. And they get really kind of stuck in, um, shiny new object syndrome mm. from that, <laughs> which is great. But what happens is, is it's because they're frustrated with their lower level. They're like, okay, what's going to be the next thing? What's going to be the next thing? Which is fantastic. But they haven't cleared well what they're doing um, structurally in their business and, and in their marketing, ensuring that works before they go to the next um, shiny object thing, right? And I deal with a lot of the, the clients who call me or the people who are like, I hate marketers. I never want to work with them, them again. And those are, that's how the, they come to me, which I'm like, those are my people, right? Because um, first of all, there's a disconnect between what we do is, or what marketers do and what they think they do and not taking ownership of their own business. So a lot of times people are like, oh, here's my business. They hand it over to a marketing company, but they're not confident enough in their own brand to let them know and really work with, as opposed to allowing the marketing company to um, take over. And then they find that they've spent a lot of money and they're like, well, I don't, I don't know what I spent it on. Hmm. And it's because they haven't cleared from the mindset, especially when it comes to social of, well, I don't know how to do this. So I'm just going to hand this over and there's no ownership to it. Right. Because at the end of the day, this is your brand. This is who you are out in the public eye. And you need to have some say in that so that your company is always represented the way that you want it to be represented out there. And in my experience, marketing companies need to come in with the technical. And I actually was listening to one of your podcasts and we we're talking about like, you can do the demographic of like, you know, people like ages, sex regions, right. But there's a le another level of that target, right. And where you really need to be able to speak to people that you mm. want to work with. And when you can kind of go away from the shiny object syndrome and really focus on like, who does it feel good for you to work with? What's so scary about marketing that you think that you can't have this conversation when you're the expert so that you shine or your company shines in what you do? And then that's kind of how I start with that process with them is I go, okay, like, but who are you talking to? What do you really want to do with it based on this marketing? And then how are we going to get to that consistent point so that when you add all these the other le uh, layers, we'll know what you're, you really want. Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned social and um, marketing on social media. I mean, it's called social media because I think I, I like to say it's social. So you have a conversation on there and really to have, outsource those conversations i mean you can outsource posting of the original information mm -hmm. um, but outsourcing the conversations that just doesn't work because it's not the your audience is not talking to the brand right so so that's yeah. a concrete example of something tactically that you know clearly you can't outsource that and then coming back to what you said and i'm, I'm really strong on this that you need to understand more about your dream customers or the people that work for the companies that are dream clients um, than 
what age they are and what gender and what demographic, where they live and that sort of thing. That that might be helpful to start a casual conversation um, and it might be helpful background, but you really need to understand a lot more what drives them, what motivates them, what excites them and so on. Yeah, I was going to say um, I had an experience probably about two years ago where a company called me up and said, um, I really wanted to run Facebook ads. I was like, great. Hmm. They had a large budget. Why do you want to run them? We don't know. Everybody else is doing it. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, what do you, what's your expectations at the end of that? Well, we don't know. We just want to see if it works. Hmm. I wouldn't take them. I, and I, I could have, but it didn't make sense to me, right? And hmm. and so, because at the end of the day, if that when, when that fails, and I think it was like a $25,000 budget in six months nobody would have been cleared about what they were actually doing and so i think it's really important for the companies to kind of take charge of what they want their outcomes to be as far as like knowing this is the goal and sometimes you have to walk through that mindset to even be able to say like this is a goal that's reasonable um, because I I don't know about you, but I find that it's, it's like, I want to go viral um, <laughs> and I don't care who sees it. I've, I've dealt with the, some of this and I'm like, and then they get up disappointed. No, nobody's buying. I'm like, okay, because viral does not equal sales all the mm -hmm. time if it's not in front of the friend, the right, right people. So really being able to take ownership of like, okay, this is the goal and then having a concrete way um of doing that and and not getting afraid of the long-term success because there's a for me there's a thing with social it's like guess we're social now because we're building long-term relationships and success within the community that you want to be in um and so yes you want sales coming in today but a lot of times when you talk to your business, it's like, well, who did you talk to from three months ago? Like everybody who's going to buy from you might be there or able to give you a referral for later. And that doesn't happen because there is no um, continuing relationship. There's no, they're like, well, I don't want to bother them. And, and, Trying to get over those mindsets is is kind of what I've focused so that there's a process that people are keep um, either two processes, one for those who are customers and then one for those that will tell others, which is my, my, my I'm really into Google reviews for that reason, mm -hmm. um, because that's the, the next level of your current target market really speaking for you to the people who, who will come forward for you. Mm, yeah, I um, want to explore the Google reviews um, work you do a little bit more. But before we do that, um, you said something there that's intriguing and it's the the idea of the long-term relationships and, and coming back to what you said about a viral, um, going viral, we want to go viral. Do you think the social media and, and the online world has kind of given people this belief that if you've got some magic ingredient, some magic content, a magic post that goes viral, it leads to immediate business and they forget about the, the work that needs to happen to build relationships to do things longer term that um, particularly if you've got high ticket items, it's it's something that people have to get to know you first and get to know the business and and have s multiple touch points before they're ready to make a decision to spend thousands of dollars on on a product or service yeah i i, I think that's the, the key thing right like and whether you're talking about with realtors who never contact people who bought a house from them again or sell a house um or i i specialize a lot in the wellness medical area and you, you want people who come in and trust you. We're talking about intimate things, you know, whether it's like 
um, it doesn't matter what specialty, but when it comes to your health and wellness, it's an intimate conversation. Mm. And so like the idea of just putting one thing out and having it go viral and then nothing else happening, that doesn't equate. It just doesn't equate. And and I see that often where, where if you go through you people's like YouTube or Instagram posts and or reels and they have that one really popular thing and then there's nothing. Hmm. There's just nothing. And they go, Well, I don't I don't understand. Like I don't understand. And and the longevity of something that's viral, which is great right now. But when are you talking about the next topic or continuing that conversation from what went viral in the first place? There's got to there's got to be connection, and there's such a disconnection. Or people who are really consuming your content on social media, having the conversations with you, and then you don't go talk to them because mm. you've decided already this isn't going to work, as opposed to really finding out. Um, so those who really, this is my experience when it comes to social media, those who really are connecting with your content, those who are having the conversations underneath your Instagrams and Facebooks and LinkedIn and private messaging, those are your people. And most companies spend the least amount of time with those people because they're so busy trying to get new people hmm. that they forget that they literally have the sales in front of them as soon as that relationship is built and they don't spend any time in either. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, this is one of my pet bugbears that, um, and it, where it manifests itself the most, I think, is particularly big companies. Um, they, um, and I've had this experience over and over. I mean, it happens to me all the time. If I reach out to, uh, one of my service providers for some help about something or yeah or maybe yeah whatever it is I, if i reach out to them and and i get the impression that i count less than their marketing campaigns for new customers and the classic one is that there'll be an offer made and they're stupid enough to send it out to um, me as a customer as well not not you know not filter it out so it only goes to, to potential new customers and uh, the offer will be, you know, get a 30% discount for life on this service that you pay monthly for or something. And then, then I'll go back and I'll say, well, yeah, thanks. I'll have that 30% discount. Oh, no, sorry. It's only for new customers. You know? So what they're telling me basically is you've been a loyal customer for a long time. You've spent lots of money with us. We have a relationship, but we value you less than these new people that we don't know that have never spent a penny with us um, but we're going to try and get them on board by giving them this discount which and i think that that plays out in social media in some of those um, conversations like you were saying which if you take that a step further is that you as the current um, customer client patient you are going to be their bigger ad biggest advocate and they're losing that based on the fact that they keep going after only new people. Mm. So here you have somebody who's already who's like, I probably like the the service or product or the doctor, or whatever it is. And instead of really nurturing that so that you bring who more likely you're hanging out with more of their target market. Mm. They're like, yeah, you're not really important. <laughs> and that's what they're doing. Hmm. And you know, these are these are big, well-known companies. Mm -hmm. In in many cases, it uh, always surprises me. And I think, well, um, they could give me some of that thirty percent just to give them some advice. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, let's. Uh, I think that's you mentioned there. You know, the nurturing those clients that you've had long-standing relationships with and are probably happy with your service or product, uh, nurturing them so that they become your biggest advocates. And I think that's a, a fabulous marketing strategy. So I think it's a good segue into Google reviews. So how do you use Google reviews to um, help get those advocates um, or get their 
their experiences out into the public domain so others can see it. So I'm really big into getting Google reviews when people are the hot happiest, right? Hmm. And so there's all parts in the buying cycle where people are happy. You may do a free seminar and people are thrilled and the, and you don't ask anybody in it for a Google review or a Facebook recommendation because you're like, oh, they didn't buy. But you have people at that point who need to get into your freebie or get the PDF or whatever it is to get to the next point. But you haven't asked anybody, well, what was the experience, mm. right? So that's one. So whether it's like before, during your onboarding, and you don't ask every the same person every time, but when you get those um, emails, texts, phone calls, whatever it is, or social media comments underneath like your next launch, those are the people we should be asking for Google reviews for, depending on where they are in the mm. cycle. Um, because each one of those people are in a segment of what people are reading. They're searching online already going, I have this problem. Let me re read the reviews because we, because of COVID really particularly, I found word of mouth has moved to Google review and Facebook recommendations. That's just like it. I think it was like um, 60 something percent before COVID and it jumped to 70, 80 percent of this is how people are p hmm. deciding whether or not to use your product or service. So when you have these touchstones of going, okay, I've got somebody happy. This is the time to ask them because when the next person goes to search, they're going to say like, oh yeah, I can relate to that person. I understand that that's, a, that's you know, so when we ask for uh, Google reviews or Facebook recommendations, we don't want to say just have, you did a great job. That's lovely, but it doesn't actually help you or your business, right? So what I did with a, another company is we created kind of a, um, it's, I don't like it automated. I don't like Google reviews automated. I don't like a lot of the automated customers. Um, companies that are out there because and although you can and you can say like when you want them to be asked I find that there it's a little impersonal so what I like to do is is talk to my um, customers and clients and say okay you're gonna we're gonna do a three touch point at least to ask for a Google review right because just like there was touch points to get them to even talk to you or buy something, people are busy and they're not going to just be like, oh, sure. Like, let me go leave you a Google review. If anything, most people leave Google reviews when they're mad. That's right. That's that's right? the big thing. that, um, And I like that, you know, it's part of your program to actively seek Google reviews. One of the I, I got involved in Google reviews many years ago with clients, and what the the biggest or the most often question, most often asked question was, I've got a negative review. How can I remove it? And I said, Well, unless it's malicious, unless you can prove it's the competition trying to undermine you, um, unless it violates google's policies which you can read online then they won't remove it because otherwise the integrity of the review system would be compromised that's understandable and i said have you responded to the negative review well no well you know the first thing is social media it's it's like social media you have a conversation respond to the review say so, you know give them an opportunity to talk to you and say that you know you'd like to have the opportunity to resolve the situation if they're not a client you can say something like um we don't have any record of you being a client are you sure you've put this review in the right place be very polite but make it pretty clear that it doesn't this probably doesn't apply to you and then the other side of the coin which is what you're advocating is actively elicit reviews from clients at the time they're most happy so then when you do get one bad review, it's kind of one of maybe a hundred 
that uh, of which 99 are really good. Exactly. Exactly. And what I find is anytime we'll go back to the mindset for a second is that there's this fear. I'm going to get a negative mm. review. I'm going to, I don't want to ask anybody, what if I get a negative, right? You're that, that's, could be the course of business, right? You may get like, just like you said, you may get a negative one, but I can guarantee and ensure you'll get more negative ones based on not asking mm. than if you, if you just asked while they were happy over and over, especially in the medical field. I deal with that probably the most getting over that mindset. And I'm like, but if you ask while they're sitting there and you've literally helped save their life or like they're, you're, they're feeling better, like that's the time to ask. Or if you heard from when the patient comes into the, to the office and says, your front desk is like the nicest hmm. people. They answered all of my questions or it was super easy to put the insurance in. So you're not only asking, but you're also listening to like where they're at so that it's not just it was a nice job. Right. You want to you want to elicit some of the story in the review, because, again, when when others are searching, they're going to see the story, not that it was like a great company that doesn't really help google and it doesn't help your practice or your service or your client I mean, at all, uh, your, your product at all so you want to elicit and ask where the problem was solved um but again it's that mindset thing is like well but look i have i have all these negatives um there's a um large hand doctor i worked with in louisville and they had been open since this um, Let's Louisville, Kentucky, and they've been open since the 60s. And when I started working with them, you would have not have known. You would have not have known that they were world famous, first in the in, uh, in the um, the practice for just hand care, and you certainly wouldn't have known that they had literally trained hundreds of doctors all over the world in hand mm -hmm. care. You just wanted them because there was five locations and their scores were so low. I, if you just went to Google, you'd never go to that doctor. You'd be yeah. scared. So what we did, um, and this is kind of like the practice of what I do for Google, is we went in and again, it's about touch points, right? You have somebody in front of you. They are happy. You ask them directly, do you mind? 10 times out of nine, they're not going to remember as soon as the, they leave the office. Not going to remember, right? So then maybe you even hand them a card that asks for a review. And what I like to do is I like to send them to a dedicated website just to leave a review. Sending them directly to Google or to Facebook recommendation, first of all, if you have a place that has multiple locations, it can get really sticky. They go to the wrong mm -hmm. one, you know, and you really want to make sure that the review is sent to the right place about the right people so that others reading can say, oh, yeah, I know so-and-so in that office or that space. And, yeah, they were fantastic. Um, but you have to make sure it's correct. So I like setting up a, a site and on it the first page is like well where did you go if it's multiple um, offices or providers and they can pick the um, office they went to or the provider they went to and then have it pop up did you have a good experience or a negative yeah. one right again you're kind of um ensuring that um more of the positive reviews are going to end up on google and you can have a lot of fun with this, like with the hand doctors, obviously we did like, was it a thumbs up or a thumbs down, right? Like, and if you're a restaurant, you could be like, was it a full glass of wine or a spilt glass of wine, right? Like it could be fun. Mm. Like asking for people for what you need for your business should not be like a boring site that they're like, oh, I don't want to mm. do this, <laughs> right? Like, so if you can make it, um, 
I work with dentist, a smiley face mm. or a frown, you know, like it could be relative to the, to the industry. So, and then what you do then is, is like based on if, it, if it's a smiley face, you can ask them to get in directly. You know, there's a lot of sites, uh, especially in the healthcare um, world that gives reviews for doctors and all of that stuff, right? Plus you have Facebook. Google recommend uh, Google reviews, and depending on, again, where your target market is, you want to make sure that you're sending them or giving them the option to go to the place they feel most comfortable leaving the review or recommendation. Mm. Because if somebody doesn't doesn't like Google, they're never going to understand going to a Google review and putting in a recommendation a review. Same idea with Facebook. If they're not on Facebook and you're only getting recommendations, you're never going to get one. So, right? so you have to give some sort of um, options of where they can go. And just by a link, it's not over strenuous, but you send them straight to the right pl place. Um, you know, Yelp, some pe restaurants still yeah, like yeah. Yelp, you know, depending on, on the audience. And so that's what you're doing. You're trying to keep in mind for the end user, what is the easiest way to give them the options to leave you that review? Yeah. Like, so that's the second touch point is that you can them a card. And I'm not sure so that, so that your um, listeners will know this too, is that you actually don't want people to leave a Google review for you while they're in your store. It actually hurts your Google algorithm because it's the same um, location yeah. web ID. Yeah. So you want them to go home and mm. do it, which I know is frustrating because you're like, oh, they're here. They're excited. They want to do it. Absolutely. I get it. But on the other side is you really want to make sure that you're doing this in a more organic way that way. So you're not competing with yourself on Google when they do it from your place and think it's your employees all leaving mm. you reviews. Um, so what you do from there is again, get in the car, mom calls, got to pick up the kids, whatever it is, you've forgotten to leave the Google review, but within 24 hours, then there should be a third time of how was your experience based on if you collect emails again, great customer service. And by the way, would you mind leaving us a review? Mm. Like you, you said, you might be able to. And leaving in the link because, you, again, you want to make it as easy as possible for them. So I like at least three touches to even ask for the review. Mm. Yeah. And what helps is it, it, it you know, it get, oh, yeah, that's right. I said I would. Mm. I love that. I yeah. said I would, especially the in-person. Yeah, I love Love the process. The three touches I mean, it makes it much personalized, and that's an important tip that they don't do it there from the same IP address because Google will think that something fishy is going on there. Suddenly, you've got a hundred reviews from the, from your location, and um, yeah, making it as easy as possible. I think that's really important as well. The other thing you didn't mention with having a dedicated review site like that it gives you the ability ability to um, collect more information up front and if somebody is inclined to give negative feedback that you might be uncomfortable with you can set it up in a way that only the positive ones only the thumbs up or the smiley faces get sent to the google review link or whatever the public review place is and the others the important thing here is that the others get the opportunity to have another touch point, have another conversation. And in that conversation, you would say, oh, you didn't, you only gave us a, you gave us a thumbs down and you complained about whatever it was. Um, tell me more. I want to understand more. I want to see if we can make this right. Yes. So that's part B <laughs> is if they press that negative, we have an email go directly to the person in the yeah. office who handles cus the customer service on that end. And which is great is because if there is an issue, there's a better chance of it hitting the web if they can send an email. And in my experience, the ones that still go in negative is because, um, 
they haven't fully done the service. It's months later for billing issue. It's nothing to do with the here and now of asking them. Because um, a lot of times what will happen is, is that email will be sent in the back end and person on the A, like you said, they're getting more information. Where's the hole in the process? We'll know it based on that information. If it's a billing issue, if it's a personality issue, right? They haven't um, said the whole place is terrible because of one person. You can have that conversation privately with the person who bought as opposed to having it public. Uh, Publicly <laughs> on online. Google reviews, yes. And you on Google reviews. Are you familiar right. with the, oh, I can't remember the name of the restaurant now, <laughs> I should remember this. Um, there's a famous case study on Google reviews um, where Gordon Ramsay had this couple that um, had a restaurant on his show and they turned out to be so bad that he fired them. Now, for those of you that don't know Gordon Ramsay, he's pretty obnoxious and he's pretty obnoxiously direct in the feedback he gives to um, mm -hmm. to the people that, that he has on his show. So he runs this show where he reviews restaurants. And these people were so obnoxious that Gordon Ramsay fired them. And then it started a tirade of uh, negative reviews on Google because a lot of people then came and said, oh, you know, these people are awful. I, I can understand why he fired them. And um, we had this really bad experience on, on when we dined there. And so there were all these negative reviews that um, suddenly came up because people were prompted to share their experiences. And instead of, instead of um, laying low or, or responding positively to these, the business owners, the restaurant owners went back and started engaging in a slanging match on, on Google reviews with all of these people. It's a classic case study of what not to do. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's probably more of that, <laughs> <laughs> but because we're publicly eye on somebody like Gordon mm. Ramsay, but there, but if you, if you go, I, I love to read Google reviews. Um, and it's strange now because now I will go to doctors before I read the Google review. Again, because people are more likely to do the negative mm. because they're not being asked than the positive. Matter of fact, I had an experience um, not too long ago where my friend, who her husband's the doctor, and she's like, you have to go to this person if it was a, a audiology problem. The best, the best, the best, best. And thank God I didn't go to Google first. I would have never walked in his office, like ever, like ever. And that was not my experience. But again, you know, like any other touch of marketing, right? It, A, has to be strategic and B, it has to have a process. And because of that process, you know, the more reviews you get when people are searching, good, especially if local, you're going to come up, right? There, there's that, um, when it's positive, like, I don't know about you, but I don't, when I go to Google reviews, I put, if it's not 4.5 and higher, I'm probably not going there. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not going to do that, right? Because if I'm spending my money somewhere, I want to know yeah. that it's going to be well spent. Yeah, right? I, I do that. And then I'm going to get the service. I do the same. But one of the things that I've learned, and, and I'll do this, particularly for things like Airbnb in the days when we used to be able to travel. Um, Airbnb have a great review system. And, I mean, their, their model, they so the tenant reviews the site and the experience they had, but the, the renter, the Airbnb renter, actually also reviews the tenant. So as a user of Airbnb services, you actually build a ranking as well. So it's important as a private individual user of Airbnb to make sure that your ranking is good as well. You don't want it to say that, you know, they left the place in a mess or they didn't they didn't follow the rules or whatever it might be. Um, because then other when you apply to go to other Airbnbs, you might get rejected. But what I do as a user is I look at the reviews, but then I read the detail. 
So I, I tend anything less than three I don't look at. Um, but if it's a three, I, I would look at it and read the reviews. And sometimes I've found things like um, the air conditioning didn't work or, or the air conditioning was too small and it didn't cool the room enough. Well, that's not important to me if I'm going there in the middle of winter or or in springtime, right? I'm not going to be using the air conditioning, so I'm not fussed as long as there's no other things. I mean, if there's a series of, of issues like that, that things don't work, then that's a theme and I'll stay away from it. So it, it's always good as a business also to get reviews as specific as, as you can encourage people to make them. And that goes back to that idea, right? So if you have a happy person in front of them somewhere in your sales cycle of bought or just done or in the process of, of they're telling you the story why they're happy, that's the time to ask them. Um, a lot of businesses think that if they just get a five, they're mm. good, which is true. But people want to have more information than that. The other side of that is, is the reason why I really like that is then you have a public know of what people are really saying. Mm. And I, I know that like you could have fake people anywhere. I get that. But more likely than not, somebody's taking the time to give a positive review and it's coming um, more organically than like 40 in a day, right? Because you're asking strategically mm. where people are in the sales process and when they're saying they're happy, then what, what you can do with that, which I love this is it's like really easy social media content, mm. like, right? Because you, now you're taking that review and you're saying, okay, this is a real person and you can write with the permission a little bit more of the story around it. And saying this is what instead of just like this is this is a testimony we got great, but here's the story right because then you're structuring it on your social media for people to understand where they are in the process, so that when they read the story they go yeah I relate with that I, I like that idea I need to go see mm -hmm. them, right it's not just oh I have to wait till they because the seven touch points in other places, I have to wait till they come Google us. You want to be able to reuse that and, and kind of put it all over what the story is behind the reviews. And that's why I find details really important on it. And, and then also on, especially on Google reviews is if you notice that Google's now, you know, they bubble what the key content to topics are of the review. If there's nothing in the description, there's nothing to say, oh yeah, this is what you're really good at it. This is the, these are the topics that are, are constantly coming up on your reviews. So that's why it's, I think I agree with you. And you were talking about Airbnb and the one-on-one, -on -one, and I was thinking like, so years and years ago, I used to sell concert tees on eBay. And they were really one of the starters are of this um you know buyer seller leaving reviews right you didn't want a bad buyer and you didn't want a bad seller right and so it was this way of um both coming in an agreement to kind of stay on their best behavior and do the do the right thing as far as to um, the products you were getting buying and selling so that people would come yeah. back. So this has kind of been a long way coming, but now it's very interesting because so many different sites are using it, like Airbnb uses it, eBay still has that, that process. And then like, what do you do when it's more of a one Google review, one-sided is get in touch and really kind of extend that out onto your social media again so it's more of a two-sided story yeah that's a great point so you know there's an opportunity to take take the reviews as content and um, repurpose them with um, adding adding the story in the background and that way other other people that are in similar situations they'll see that and they'll say yeah I, that i'm in a similar situation to that story and that's a beautiful outcome and the person was obviously clearly very happy so i will 
contact that business. And then the other thing, I just really, really quick about this and, and about reviews in, in general. A lot of times on your social media, people ask for recommendations. And if you are the end user, right, let's say you haven't done the Google review, make sure that if when you're recommending people because you really love that company, um, again, write that description. Don't just put their name and their or their link to their Facebook or like you're their um, cheerleader, essentially, as a customer, client, you know, the buyer of the service. So take two seconds and write your why you love them. And training customers and clients to do that is really super helpful too. Yeah, I love it. And I think, you know, you talked about the marketing mindset. I think there's a lot of um, context there around reviews in particular that um, hopefully will help people that are in a position of, oh, if I ask for reviews, I'll get too many negative ones, will change their change their mindset a little bit about that. It is such a powerful tool and there's so much you can do with it. So thanks for that, Wendy. I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. I ask the same five questions of every guest and the idea is you'll give us some answers that will inspire the listener to go and do something awesome as a result today. So you ready? Yes. What's the number one thing you think anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Not be afraid. Okay. Just don't be afraid. You can't break it, mm. right? So if you wanted to build that app, go do it. If you think your website, get on the phone with the web company and saying, okay, what, what do I need to bring this to the next century, right? Because what happens is, is, is they get so caught in the fear of it, they do none of it. So innovation takes action yeah. so you act you're not going to do it all in a day but go start asking the questions so that you can actually do it mm, great advice and i like to frame things as an experiment um coming from a science background so i um whenever i get into that position of oh, maybe this might work then i'll look at it okay what's the hypothesis what's the experiment how can i prove it and if it doesn't work what it does is it gives me information and, and so then i can feed that new information back and try something else absolutely all right what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas i think the best thing i've done is all the mistakes <laughs> i've made all the experiments all <laughs> <laughs> the experiments no honestly like i and i've done the whole run the agency thing. I did it for um, the last 10 years. I've been in marketing for 13 and, and um, I've made every mistake, right? Like I've, I've thought I've broken it. I've ran it. I'm not ran it. And, and all of that has honed into who I am as a business. Um, so I think that's the best thing that you can do. I think the, the, most of the mindset failure that we have in businesses is not the trying of and getting so embarrassed that they don't have all the answers or don't know it all instead of saying i don't know it all i need to ask out for help i need to see what fails and then i get to really hone in on what i want and and how well i get to do it yeah the key the key is to learn from failure or as my business coach says it's no such thing as failure it's all feedback so uh, yeah learn from that feedback and apply the lessons as you move forward all right what's the best or what's one of the resources you use most often i use quite a few um i think one of my favorite resources is i actually um love Sprout Social. Mm. I've used them for the longest. I've been, I've been on so many of the platforms. Um, granted, it's more for the agency top level, like, um, and although businesses use it, but I really, really like it. I like it that it's so not cookie cutter, like all of the other no. platforms that I've found. Yeah, so it's a way to engage on all the so or consolidate all the social media into one workspace essentially isn't it 
mm-hmm. one workspace. And what I really love about it, because most pe- companies make this mistake, they go, okay, I'm going to um, send out all my social media. And they literally send out the same message on, on every social media platform on the same day, the same time. And I just think that's kind of sloppy planning where, and that's why I like Sprout Social because it allows you to pick different days and different times and just repeat it so that it's not hitting at the same Mm. time. And it's actually better for the algorithms when they don't, even when they are owned by the same company. Mm. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And the other thing I don't, I don't recall Sprout Social, but the one that I use, um, also allows you to comment inside that platform, which is really handy because you don't need to go to the different social, you know, go from one social media to the next one, mm-hmm. have a look at, um, you know, who's commented on your posts and respond to those comments because, as we said earlier, it's a conversation. You should be having those conversations there. So being able to do that on, on the one workspace is really handy too. Absolutely. All right, what's the best way to keep a client on track? Accountability. Even when I did the agency, it's their business. I'm really clear on this. Like, So if you don't like the messaging that's coming out from your marketing company, it's like key to have touch point meetings. And even as the coaching consulting, um, the way I keep them on track is, is like, okay, let's have accountability or weekly calls or monthly calls. And, and not every client needs the same thing. So some call and we go through it monthly where others, they need it every week. But that accountability helps them stay on track. And um, I'm really big in if they are hiring the agency, and which is a lot of times I help my clients get to there, to that point of, um, okay, I know what the process is. I know what I want to say. Now I'm ready to hire that agency. Uh, Making sure that there's very clear communication. And that's not, not all marketing companies want to do that. So making sure um, they stay on track by picking the right companies to work with for their company and what they're trying to do. Mm. Okay. That's, so that's lots of touch points. Again, the theme there about the touch points and accountability built into with clear communication. Okay. And what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? I think be authentic. Um, you know, when I went to school for um, my MBA, the thing that still um, pops out is the blue versus red ocean, okay. right? Are we going to be all the same or are we going to be the different? And um, there's a lot of things. I don't want to be the next Uber. Um, so that's the that's the distinction is like knowing who you are. Mm. Uh, that has mindset, knowing who you are, knowing what your message is, and knowing who you work with, more importantly, knowing who you don't work with. Um, I find a lot of companies are like, no, I'll just sell to everybody. That's hmm. not a good, or a good plan, at least in my experience, right? Like, there are some products, absolutely, they should be sold at, like, toilet paper, everybody's yeah. going to use. But when they were, like, to this day, I still go in. We have bounty here for paper towels. Even during the COVID thing, I was like, nope, that's what I want, hmm. right? Because it's like they stand out in my head as like the strongest, best one to one. And so that's the thing is like they have always stayed on top of the market of, of who they are and created that demand based on that. And that's how you can stand out is like don't you don't have to go into crazy selling and I'm, you know, uh, and when I say crazy selling, like I'm going to drop all my prices because I want to, I want to be able to compete, you know, be authentic, charge the, what you're worth and, and the right people will find you. Mm, Yeah. And I love that you said, um, you, you outlined the framework there, which is kind of, you know, be really self-aware 
what you're about, what your values are and what, what your message is and also then who it is that you're working with or you would like to work with, who's the dream customer and who is outside that, being clear about that too. All right. Well, thanks, Wendy. This has been really fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you and maybe even reach out to say thanks for what you've shared? Oh, please come find me on LinkedIn. It's Wendy Manganero. Um, and I actually have most conversations. Of course, you can still go to my website. It's uh, socialabundancemarketing.com. And I have a great freebie on there on how to build an office and um, pretty much be fully booked when you open. Um, so there's a, there you can reach out for that. Um, and then I have, um, by next week, I'll have my mindset marketing uh, up and running. And if you are struggling with mindset, it'll be great fun because you can go in and learn how to um, deactivate and declutter that mindset that blocks you from moving your business forward when it comes to marketing. Great. Sounds fascinating. So I'll have links to all those places in the show notes so people can click straight through. Do you have some parting advice you'd like to leave our listener with today, Wendy? I think the parting advice is, is just to remember it is, it's your company, it's your dream. So make sure that it's represented by who and what you are and take everybody's advice about what you, they think it should be with a grain of salt because people want what you have, you know, just make sure you're getting to get, getting it written the, the right way for you hmm. so you can attract those people. Though. Yeah, that's, uh, that's excellent advice. And um, you know, from someone that kind of, had been pushed into a bubble for a long time. Um, that's um, that's certainly a lesson that you've learned. Mm -hmm. All right. Finally, Wendy, who else should I get on the show and why? Um, I'm going to say my friend Lisa Nichols. She is awesome entrepreneur, social media person. She is the person who does the does. Um, uh, she's great on to Instagram and she allows people and her clients to be authentic and uh, works with them to make sure that their messaging is their messaging and um, is seen in a way that's fabulous and fantastic. Great. All right. Well, we'll get an introduction to Lisa from you and reach out to her to bring her on the show. We can talk about all things messaging and um, Instagram and other social media, I'm sure. So thanks for that. And thanks so much for sharing your time and insights with us so generously today, um, Wendy. I was going to say Lisa. Wendy, um, <laughs> jumping the gun. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I've learned quite a bit, actually. Um, uh, we've done lots in the Google review space, but there are a couple of things you mentioned that I wasn't aware of, so I've made some notes here. And we'll go back and apply those as well. And I certainly encourage people to really think carefully about their mindset if they're afraid of asking for Google reviews um, or if you know, they're, they're abdicating their conversations on social media in a way that perhaps um, they don't know what's going on or what message is being put out there. So thanks for all of that. I'm really looking forward to sharing it with my audience and I wish you all the best for the future and let's stay in touch, Wendy. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been a blast. I hope you enjoyed that really insightful and very informative conversation with Wendy and took something away from her episode. I love to focus on the key touch points with customers and interacting in a way that makes it easy for the customer to provide feedback. I'd love to know what you took away from Wendy's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Wendy Manganaro. That is W-E-N-D-Y-M-A-N-G-A-N-A-R-O. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Wendy Manganaro. 
You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Wendy, as well as links to the Social Abundance Marketing website, to Wendy's social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. If you like this episode, please do share it with two other people that it might help. Also, we'd love you to leave a review on this episode so that we can get to know you and why you listen. And it also helps us make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz to pick your preferred review platform. And of course, you can follow the show by going to followthepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz. Wendy suggested that we have a conversation with Lisa Nichols of Straight Talk Social Media on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Lisa, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast courtesy of Wendy Manganaro. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up including Josh Green of the Matha Group and Tom Ruich, founder and president of Story Power Marketing. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.